Welcome back. Dun, dun, dun. Are you ready for the final episode of Black Friday on Fear Realms Horror Channel? I don't know why I'm doing that. Is that that's not even a horror voice, really. Horror Channel, I hope so. Okay, I'll stop now. We've had cursed dolls, demonic holiday jingles, flamethrowers, even a shredder on steroids. A little bit of everything, much like the inventory of your average big box store. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! So what will Bob do next? Will he save the world from evil? It's time to see where this holiday hero's journey ends in Black Friday, Episode 8. You made it, brave listeners! So did Bob. So far. <laughs> After Bob hatched a plan with Tanya to undo their shift manager's botched ritual... Hookface and his band of ghoulites appeared and stole Tanya away. Bob, all alone, with nothing but his wits and his Tom Turkey Carver 3000, had no choice but to descend into the pits of the Mart Club basement to save the day and come home with milk, or else. The first time Bob came into the basement, it had been a dark, dank maze of totes and cardboard boxes. Since the Mart Club had descended into hell, slime had crept onto the stacks, turning the walls into a solid mass of putrid jelly that wiggled and jiggled when he ran his flashlight over it. Greenish light filtered through the cracks. Hmm. Red fog. Green lights. How seasonal. Bob crept through the narrow passageways, adjusting his grip on the Tom Turkey Carver 3000. Boy, were those ghoulites going to be in for a shock when they found out that old Bob was still alive and kicking. Bob came upon the small clearing where he found Richard's corpse earlier. It was there that he had dropped the foxy boxy, 
where everything had begun. Slowly, Bob moved the flashlight beam over the jelly-glazed boxes, settling on Richard's decaying body. Wait, had he moved? Bob leaned forward. Did the body just blink? Oh, hey there, friendo. Ah. Good evening, Mark Club victims. Our Black Friday sales are ending. This dimension is ending. We ask that you take your final selections to the front, where our undeadites will happily feast upon your pathetic souls. Resistance is wasted effort. You will become meat. Happy holidays, and thank you for shopping at Mark Club. Opportunity, betterment, excitement, and you. How do you do, fellow mortals? What? You thought Bob just had some rando narrating his life story this whole time? Sheesh, how gullible of you. Now that the cat's out of the bag, this is the part where I come into this thrilling tale of terror at low, low prices. And now let's get back to the show, shall we? <clears throat> oh, hey there, friendo. Yeah, stay back. Whoa there, buddy. No need for that. I'm not one of them. Oh yeah? Prove it. Well, for starters, I would have threatened to eat your soul. I haven't done much of anything, have I? No, but... Let's think about this logically for a second. I'm not doing anything to you. I'm chilling in this body, man. Minding my own business. And you want to slice me up. Now that doesn't sound very fair to me. Does it sound fair to you? Sure. I'll tell you what. Since I'm such a nice guy... If you agree not to carve me up, I'll help you out. Well, why should I believe anything you say? Look, pal, at some point, you're gonna have to trust me. I'm trusting you right now not to carve out my brain and eat it, so I've already extended that olive branch. All I'm asking is that you do the same, all right? I guess. Thank you. Sheesh, humans these days, am I right? <clears throat> so, Based on the state of the place and uh, that fancy turkey carving knife in your hands, I'm going to go out on a limb here. You fucked up a summoning ritual, didn't you? Me? You're the one who came down here with that stupid cube to begin with, Richard. First of all, I'm not Richard, okay? Second, I really don't like your tone of voice. Well, if you're not Richard, then who are you? And the better question is, what am I? And that has a complicated answer. Suffice it to say, I'm a helpful spirit, possessing the head of a recently deceased human. And I have a vested interest in fucking over those leather-clad demons. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, friendo. Therefore, I choose to assist you in the hopes that you will repay in kind. A spirit, huh? What am I supposed to do to help a spirit? Uh, well, for starters, I'm only possessing a head at the moment. I can't move the arms or any of the rest of this body, which really sucks because I've got an itch on my nose. You wouldn't mind scratching it, would you, buddy? Ugh. Touching a rotting face is bad enough, but to scratch it itch? What are you offering in return? I'll tell you how to banish those assholes for good. Nice try. I already know I have to destroy the cube. Destroy the cube? 
<laughs> you can't be serious. All that'll do is make things worse. You'll unleash hell on Earth. No, you can't just saw the thing in half. You have to say the magic words. That's how you fix everything. And if I scratch that itch on your nose, you'll tell me what those magic words are? Yes, of course. That's what I've been saying this whole time. So how about it, pal? Just one good scratch? Right there on the left nostril? Oh, God. Oh, God, this is so gross. Ugh. This feels like plastic wrap over day-old pudding that never uh, found its way to no, the fridge. No. I can't. I, what uh, are you... Oh, for God. No. Come on, man. Scratch. I'm scratching. Oh. 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 Oh, oh yeah. Oh, That's God. the stuff. Oh, Ew. if I had a foot right now, I'd be uh, kicking it. Oh. Mm. Oh. oh, this feels awful. Oh. Ah. Mm. Yeah. Ah. Okay, Ooh. there. Oh, are you a mm. dog in a past life or something? Maybe. I don't really remember. It was a long time ago. Okay, spirit. Time to pay up. Make with the magic words. Not so fast. You were pretty rude to me a minute ago. The scratch makes up for that, but it's not exactly a fair trade for the information I've offered. You double-crossing... Hey, 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 hey! Hold on to your name tag, Eager Beaver. Here's the deal. Once I give you the magic words and you defeat those yahoos, I want you to come back with that fancy carving knife of yours and get me. I'm coming with you. You want me to just walk out holding a severed head? Why not? Look, I don't want to be stuck in this basement for all eternity. If someone else finds me, they're either going to bury me, cremate me, or ugh, exercise me. None of which is pleasant, let me assure you. Besides, I have other information that might be useful to someone like you. Someone like me? And what am I like? I don't know. A hero? A, a guy in overalls who battles demons? Uh, an outdated, out-of-shape, middle-aged man with little to no prospects for a future outside of having some chosen one status dumped in his lap, therefore suddenly making him humanity's last best chance at picking a fight with hell itself and rooting out the coming darkness? Take your pick! Wait a minute. What was that last part? You really don't know? Haven't you stopped to ask yourself why Kyle's gun didn't work, but you were able to defeat one of them pretty easily? Why was it your worthy blood that called to the demons in the first place? How did you- I know things, useful things. Things that you'll want to hear in the days to come, whether you realize it now or not. Uh, look, are we doing this or what? I'm sure you have someone to save somewhere, and I think I'm developing a bold allergy. <laughs> Why not? You've got yourself a deal, spirit. Now, the magic words? Klaatu, Barata, Niktu. Bless you. No, no, those are the magic... Oh, my God. Those are the magic words. Those are the same words that were on the website Richard ordered the cube from. How are they supposed to fix this? Whoever performed the summoning ritual, and I'm not pointing fingers here, but they screwed it up by not aligning the cube in the promotion configuration. They must have accidentally placed it in the Hellspawn configuration. You see, the cube performs a lot of different functions, depending on how you line up the pieces. So, Richard made his own cube and set it in the wrong configuration? That is the worst definition of a multi-tool. The cube wasn't supposed to be handled by retail employees, okay? 
There used to be whole professions dedicated to this sort of thing. <clears throat> anyway, regardless of the configuration, you use the same words to turn it off and on. It's like a, I don't know, it's like an evil Alexa. A what? Uh, boy, you're going to need my help a lot. Never mind that last part. The point is, say the words, the cube turns off. Got it? Got it. Good. Now, let me hear you say the words so I know you remember. Ketchup, barracuda, necktie. <sighs> no. It's Klaatu, barata, niktu. That's what I said. It isn't. You've got to say it right, or who knows what'll happen. I've got it, spirit. Oh, uh, one more thing. Call me Daryl. It's not my name, but I feel like this head is a Daryl. I'm Bob. Of course you are. All righty, just put her there right up against Richard's neck. There we go. Now, don't <sighs> mind the smoke. We're just hitting bone. Okay, down I go. This floor is cold. Uh, this is even more disgusting. What, you never picked up a freshly severed head before? Uh, just to stay on these tote boxes, okay? I'll be back for you later. Right now, I've got a friend to save. Guess I'll just wait here then. Good luck killing the bad guys. You're really gonna need it. Now, for folks still listening in after that delightful display, I have a special demon's eye view. So let's take a gander at how Bob does. Okay. I know I tossed the cube over my shoulder, which means I have a general sense of where it fell, but it probably rolled when it hit. Jeez, as if getting there wasn't hard enough through this fog and goo. Bob trudged on. The maze seemed to spiral inward. There wasn't any alternate routes, no places to turn off, no way to go but forward or back. Bob wasn't going back no matter what. The closer he got to the center of the maze, the stranger the basement became. Totes began to rattle inside the green jelly. A little further on, they floated off the ground. Strange forces tugged Bob's hair and body toward the ceiling. It was as if Bob was suddenly buoyant, moving through water. Each step was more difficult than the last. Eventually, he found himself in another large clearing. Hookface had chained Tanya to a large metal support beam. He and Bonehead towered on either side of her. This program is sponsored by Factor. Hey, everybody. If you're trying to eat healthier and want to make your life easier, Factor's got it all figured out. Delicious, ready-to-eat meals that are delivered to you fresh, never frozen. They're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. That's right, two minutes. No meal prep. Nada. Zip. There's 35 different options that change every single week. You can choose the calorie smart option if you're trying to lose weight, like I am. There's a protein plus option if you work out on a regular basis, like I'm trying to do. There's even keto if you want a low carb option. There are also 60 add-ons if you want to make your meal larger or you can choose a snack. It's completely flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. You can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Head to factormeals.com slash FR50 and use code FR50 to get 50% off. 
That's code FR50 at factormeals.com slash FR50 to get 50% off. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. Bob, what are you doing here? I told you to get out while you still could. I'm sorry, Tanya. I'm done following orders from managers. It's time for me to solve my own problems. I started this. Now I'm here to finish it. Welcome. Slime raced across the opening behind Bob, sealing them in. Let us end this. Come get some. Bring him to me. Bonehead slithered forward. Bob dodged her, rolling to one side and turned on the knife, bringing it down on her outstretched arm. The gears groaned with the effort of slicing through the heavy leather sleeve, but they left a deep gash in Bonehead's arm. Black blood spurted. She raised her bloody fingers and licked them clean before tucking her head and charging with all the force of an angry rhino. Bob crashed to the floor. She kept pushing until his head smashed into a block of green slime. As he was getting up, Bob spied it in a shadowy corner, the cube. He pulled himself forward and reached. Watch out! Damn it, Drew! Drew had a firm grip on Bob's ankle, dragging him away from the foxy boxy. The second kick connected and snapped Drew's wrist back. Bob crawled forward, reaching desperately, but the cube had tumbled behind a basement pipe, just out of reach. Come on! Come on, just one more inch! Bob reached with the knife to dislodge the cube from where it was stuck. Drew yanked on his leg. Frantically, he clawed at the floor. It was no use. He jammed the forward teeth of the carving knife downward, hoping it'd stick. But even the Tom Turkey 3000 wasn't enough to halt Drew's advance. Drew threw Bob at Hookface's feet just as Bonehead freed herself from the ooze. Hookface lifted him by the chin. <sighs> no one escapes our judgment. Not even you. Wait. Looking for this? <sighs> Bob held out the sacred cube in his left hand. In his right, he hit the button for the carving knife and lowered it toward the top of the cube. You need this to leave our world, don't you? You would trap us. Damn your entire realm. And for what? Spite. If you think hell is cozy, try 12-hour shifts at Mark Club during the holidays. Imagine a mortgage, student loans, cable television, and you'd be stuck, baby. Just as miserable and bored as the rest of us. Oh. 
Halt! Give us the cube, human, or die. You want it so bad? Fetch! Ow! Hey! Bob's aim hit Tanya in the side of the face, and the cube rolled unceremoniously to the floor. You fool! I'm kind of chained to a post here, Bob. Noted. Noted? What the fuck? Get me down from here! Hookface dropped Bob to fetch the cube as Drew crawled over. Bonehead closed in. Two against one? Not bad odds. Bob went for Drew first with a downward swing. The knife caught him dead center in the face. Bob put in more force, carving right into him, all the way down the middle. Chainsaws eat your heart out. My blade kills the undead and carves a Thanksgiving turkey in 10 seconds flat. Bonehead grabbed Bob. He brought the serrated blades back down on the cut he had made in Bonehead's arm earlier. The motor smoked, but it pushed right through. Her arm flopped uselessly before. The carving knife puttered out, the seesawing blades slowly growing still. The knife might have been top tier, but the batteries weren't. No matter, it was still sharp enough to get the job done. Bob spun around, slicing across Bonehead's throat. Black blood spilled out in thick gushes. She grabbed her throat and stumbled back, crashing to the floor as she lost her footing. Bob turned to Hookface, but it was too late. He already had the cube in hand. Insipid worm. He twitched his fingers, summoning his chains again. Bob tried to escape, but slipped on the spreading blood puddle. His body started to fall forward, but his lower back decided that was the best moment to have a cramp. Ah, my back! The slight shift in posture sent Bob flying backward instead of forward. It was the only reason the chains missed him. Rusty chains tipped in hooks sailed out of the black shadows of nothingness and punctured hook face. They caught his arms, his legs, his torso, even wrapped around his neck. The more he struggled, the more chains exploded out of the darkness to restrain him. The hooks in his wrist pulled tight until he dropped the cube. No! I will not be defeated by a simpleton with a kitchen utensil! Bob found his footing and carefully shimmied over to pick up the cube. The name's Roberto. Roberto Flores Donahue. That's with a silent G. You don't pronounce it because it's Gaelic. My husband's very proud of his Irish heritage. Bob, the cube! Send these assholes back to hell! Klatu berata niktu, dickwads. The foxy boxy rose out of Bob's hands and turned clockwise while the rows and columns of colored squares spun at blinding speed. Light emanated from it, brightening slowly to resemble the light of a small sun, vibrating faster and faster. Bob raised his hands to shield his eyes, and even that wasn't enough. A brilliant, blinding light. No! No! Bob! 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 Wake up! 
Just five more minutes, Mom. Is that bacon I smell? It's going to be you if you don't get up right now. Tanya kicked Bob in the ribs. Ow! Bob opened his eyes and found himself sitting in the ruined remains of the Mart Club basement. Totes and boxes lay everywhere, on fire. Choking smoke roiled up from everything. <coughs> what happened? Tanya yanked Bob up and half-carried, half-dragged him toward the basement stairs, with her shirt pulled up over her mouth and nose. I don't know. That cube exploded, and when the light faded, the chains were gone, the bodies were gone, and everything was on fire. Not my fault. I said the words, right? Whatever. They waded through smoke and falling debris for a short distance before Bob remembered Daryl. You didn't think Bob would actually forget good old Daryl, right? I, for one, am grateful. Uh, where are you going? The whole store is burning down. <coughs> Daryl! Daryl, if you're here, say something. <coughs> dude! Dude! Hey, Doofus! Down here! Ah, uh, there you are. Hold steady there, bud. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, this floor tastes terrible. Bob, hurry! Grab my hand! Got it. Wow, you just missed that falling debris. That's some luck, huh? Is is, is that a talking severed head? Hey, girl. You know what? Fuck it. Never mind. I really don't want to know. We reached the stairs and rushed up, pausing at the top to stare at the sales floor in disbelief. Mart Club was an inferno. Everything, even the freezer section, was on fire. Everything except... Uh, the cold fridges at the self-scan checkout! There, sweating in the residual heat, was a glistening half-gallon jug of delicious 2% milk. Bob went for it. Yes! Still cold! Hurry up! We sprinted for the door she held open. Outside, the parking lot was an undisturbed sheet of white. Far in the distance, the first colors of dawn touched the night sky, slowly transforming it from black to blue. As we took our first steps away from the burning store and into the fluffy white snow, the parking lot lights flickered on. All around the block, power was restored. One light at a time. We better get out of here. Good idea. Our two heroes limped forward together, saying nothing for a short while. So with the store burning down, I guess we won't have to explain any bodies. Which reminds me, I quit. Here, take this. Your CSM vest? Why are you giving it to me? With Richard, Marcy, Drew, and Kyle gone, you've got the most seniority. Or you would if the store hadn't burned down. She draped the vest over Bob's arm. He opened his arms for a hug. Tanya cringed and held up a hand. Maybe later. Well then, how about gracias? De nada. Well, at least someone got a promotion. And you got the milk, too. Good for you. You know, you have an uncanny amount of good luck on your side, Bob. That's great. You're going to need it. Well, I hope not. After I drop you off, wherever it is you want to go, I'm done saving the world for a while. <laughs> done? Oh, you're not done. What do you mean? 
that's what a banshee looks like. Ugh. So let's meet tomorrow? Goodbye, Bob. Uh, but what about the banshees? Goodbye, Bob. Well, looks like it's just you and me. Wicked. Bob buckled me into the front seat of the car, plopping me onto an old fast food wrapper so I wouldn't stain the seat when I oozed. How considerate. Ha! All right. He turned the heater on full blast, put the car in drive, and crawled out of the parking lot at 10 miles an hour. And so Bob, our worthy man of destiny, defeater of hell demons, wielder of the Tom Turkey 3000, left Mark Club behind the memory of his encounter with the Ghoulites forever branded on his brain. Somehow, he saved the store. The fire aside, of course, that wasn't his fault. Hey, Bob? What? Let's blow this popsicle stand. <laughs> Wicked. He may not be the hero we asked for, but he is the hero we deserve. Oh, wasn't that great? Hey, fun fact, this uh, show was actually going to be called Evil Dad versus The Shopping Dead. <laughs> I just heard that. Was that great? Evil Dad? Well, Black Friday may be behind us, but many more terrors await. We've been to the lost colony of Roanoke and spent far too long in Mark Club. Up next, you'll just have to join me again to find out. But I've heard a whisper that there may be ghosts. Until next time. You're listening to Fear, Black Friday. Created and produced by Realm. Your portal to another world. Listen away. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye. Black Friday is created and written by E.A. Copen, Produced by Diana M. Foe and Haley Wagreich. And executive produced by Fred Armisen, Julian Yap, and Molly Barton. Starring Fred Armisen, Brian Fairley, Tiana Camacho, Aaron Costaganis, Debbie Derryberry, Will Choi, Dwayne Hill, Alec Lawless, Alex Cazares, Jeff Shine, Chris Okawa, Marco Antonio Rodriguez, and Stephanie Shea. Audio produced, directed, and sound designed by Fred Greenhalgh. 
Additional editing by Corey Barton. Original music composition and orchestration by Hashem Asadolahi. With digital orchestration by Andrew Rowan. And performances by Pete McCann, Andrew Washburn, April Guthrie, Harrison Kirk, Joey Lamb, and Hashem Asadolahi. Original cover art by Annie Wu. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Fear is produced by Mary Asadolahi and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Latshaw. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Julian Yap, and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Pun Van Du. Audio editing by Felicia Dominguez. Original theme by Hashem Asadolahi. Featuring drummer Andrew Niven and mixed by Max Kuttner. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Fear by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.